Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we long to rest in your parental, strong, and patient care. We watch one news station and wonder where you are and another news station and we're more confused and hopefully cry out to you in that confusion. Jesus, we are so thankful for your work and for your teaching and ask that you empower us to follow you, to believe in you, and to trust you and somehow be able to love all of those you put into our lives. Holy Spirit, we praise you for your indwelling comfort and assurance and mercy and ask that you enliven and empower us to grieve what we need to grieve, to be silent when it is not our turn to speak, to act when it is ours to act. And in all ways, Father, Son, and Spirit, teach us to love you and our neighbors. Amen. We're starting a series on the Psalms, and if you're familiar with the Psalms, perhaps you know Psalm 119, which is very, very, very long. I still wanted to utilize it today for a whole bunch of reasons. One is because if you pray the Psalms throughout the month, many of you did this decades before even meeting me. Many of you have heard about this from me or from others. Um, You take the day of the month that it is, and you pray that Psalm, and then you add five. So if it's the 18th, you pray Psalm 18, and then Psalm 48, and then Psalm 78, Psalm 108 and 148. And if you know me, you know that it was impressive that I got the math right. So we're using Psalm 119, but I'm going to skip a little bit through the verses. So you can follow along audibly in your Bible, in the YouVersion app, or on the screen. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Your soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Let your mercy come to me, that I may live, for your law is my delight. In your steadfast love, give me life, that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. Yes, my clicker is working. So 
So I think that we all need to become writers. We are all makers, as a good friend of mine, James Shivers, has written about, shared with me. I didn't ask for his permission before saying that, did I, Shivers? And as a, as a maker, we're also a writer. The story of the with God life is God's pursuit of us, which is for his glory, the good of neighbor, and for our own good. And the order is important. And in trusting him, we become our full selves. This is the role of the Holy Spirit, to sanctify us for the sake of God's glory, the good of neighbor, and to become our full selves. We can either participate alongside the Holy Spirit, as we're doing right now, or we can resist it. The illogical word for that, or the New Testament word, is quench. And pastors say oftentimes, and Christians say oftentimes, read the Bible. I hope, I hope you've heard that before. I hope that's a practice of yours. Um, but you know what's better even than reading the Bible? Is letting it read you. Praying a psalm, and then letting the psalm pray you, let it tell you things, as we sang about, let it tell you the things God says about himself, and the things he says about us, and indirectly lead us to a more full knowledge of him, through both reading and then through prayer. I think what's even better than reading the Bible is letting it read us, or in the case of the psalms, letting them pray us. And what's even better is learning from the Psalms how to speak similarly with God, how to speak similarly to God. Alone and amongst friends, like now, both are very important aspects of both worship and prayer. And part of the reason I'm comfortable telling you that you're becoming a writer, a Psalm writer, is because there's a nobility in you. The theological term for this, uh, the, the Latin term for it, I should say, is the imago Dei. Um, in, the, in the beginning, when God begins to create, he calls men and women made in his image. And I believe there's a nobility in you. And that nobility will grow. That no, imago Dei will grow in you as we learn from the Psalms how to speak with God with friends and alone about him and about our own story. I know that I used this illustration in part about a month ago. I'm going to use it again. I am aware that this is perhaps the most uniquely weird thing about me, what we're about to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. I have spoken before about this pen, and, and let me be clear, it's not a fancy pen. I know it looks kind of fancy compared to a Bic. You can get them for 4 or $5 if you know where to look. It's a classic pen, and it's a pen that is very reliable. It's a pen that's been around for a long time. It's called a Parker Jotter. It's not a fancy pen. This is a fancy pen. This is a Mont Blanc Meisterstuck. You can Google that if you want. And if you see a character in a TV show or a movie with a Mont Blanc, they're probably a little bit arrogant. But if you see a character in a TV show or a movie with this, there's a nobility in them that might be missed by the audience. And I know I've already talked about this. And many of you who are friends with me are like, oh my word, I don't need to hear about this pin anymore. But here's the thing. Don't people miss the nobility in you? Don't they sometimes miss what you have to offer? So James Bond is not the character. It's Q. 
Remember Q? And the younger Q in the newer bond has the same pen. And the reason is, I think we might miss him. We might be watching James Bond, and we might miss Q and the goodness in him. Here's an interesting question. My daughter, my 14-year-old and I have been doing some rewatchables, and we ventured into the Breakfast Club, and do you know who has a Parker Jotter in the Breakfast Club? The janitor. Carl, the custodian. You can see it there in this scene. He has two. Later, he has one. And you think that I'm joking. You think that this is silly. But here's the thing. If you're a fan of The Breakfast Club, can anybody handle John Bender, played by Judd Nelson? Nope. Oh, wait a minute. The janitor kind of does. Can anybody really handle the principal? You think John Bender can, but that's a, a give and take. Remember when Carl, the custodian, catches him in the secret files? You remember when Carl the custodian makes every one of the, he's the only one in the film that everybody likes. Remember because he set the clock so they would get out 20 minutes early. Remember that after he calls the principal out, he gives him some beer. And Shawshank, and if you're about to watch Shawshank Redemption, uh, maybe uh, mute the screen for a minute. If it's been 26 years and it's been on your list for that long, first of all, wow. Second of all, um, yeah, just don't listen for a second. When Andy Dufresne has a Parker Jotter in his hand, if you've seen the film and are familiar with it, do you know how you thought of him in this moment and then what you learned about him right after this scene? Zodiac's a movie about a serial killer in California, and this is one of the funniest examples of this. Everybody in Zodiac has a Parker Jotter. The reporters, the police officers, everybody, because they're trying to catch a serial killer. This is the movie Seven. We're not going to stay on that image very long because, well, it's the movie Seven. But Morgan Freeman has one. And the reason you, you might think, of course, I would notice Morgan Freeman and his nobility. Well, Kevin Spacey and Brad Pitt distract you from it. And here is a good man making good decisions. You don't see his gun very much. You don't see his switchblade very much. You don't see his badge very much. And you see his black pen a lot. And if you want one of these, by the way, I've got way too many of them. I'd love to give you one. And the reason is I want us all to become writers. I believe there's a nobility in you that oftentimes other people miss. By the way, I can name 20 more movies. I know you don't want me to. Stay on topic. But I could. There is the image of God in you. And yet we're still in a world that is cursed. We still have our false self that speaks lies to us all the time. And the evil one has not yet been fully shackled. And in the meantime, a beautiful act of resistance that we can learn is to learn to write like the psalmists, to speak to God and to our own soul, sometimes with neighbors, sometimes not, about his promises. How many times did the psalmist of Psalm 119, which is a psalm of orientation, I'll talk about that in a minute, it's a psalm of orientation, they trust God and they're confident in God, and yet there's still a plea. Return as you have promised. Be gracious as you have promised. Well, becoming a writer involves reading. I believe the, the easiest and quickest and, and, and most profound way to understand the Psalms is there are three kinds. Now, if you study the Psalms academically, you'll end up with between 7 and 17 categories. And those categories are, can't, they are important for understanding the Psalms in light of all of the Bible. But the most important way of reading them is to learn to read them individually and in community as ways to learn to answer God. That's Eugene, one of Eugene Peterson's books on the Psalms. I'm also indebted to Walter Brueggemann, who did not create this scheme, but articulated it most clearly to me, which is there are three kinds of Psalms. Psalms of orientation, 
where we wake up confident we don't even need coffee that day. The temperature is whatever temperature you love the most. I'm exaggerating a little bit, making a metaphorical point. I think you can stick with me. You're confident in God's promises, and you easily praise him in prayer alone, in prayer together, in song. And then there are psalms of disorientation, and they are dark. If you want to use the word lament, I think that transcends orient, uh, disorientation and reorientation a little bit. Lament is the most common form of psalm, if you like that term. Psalms of disorientation are all throughout the book of the Psalms. The Psalter is what some call it. How remarkable that for thousands of years the people of God have known to entrust to him all of life as they actually experience it. And they did so individually and in community. And then perhaps the most beautiful psalms are the psalms of reorientation. My favorite one is Psalm 30. The writer of Psalm 30 was probably very physically ill and is crying out in distress and then says, you have turned my mourning into dancing. And I think most, if you're a follower of God, you have probably experienced this either quickly or over a season or perhaps over years through uh, healing of the, the pain of your past or physical healing or spiritual or, or psychological healing where you are in despair or great pain and now you are not. Those are very sweet psalms. This week, looking at Psalm 119, it's a psalm of orientation. The writer of Psalm 119, did I say 118? 119, 119 um, is very confident in the law of God and longs to become more confident. It's very confident in the promises of God and wants God to help the writer to become more confident in the promises of God, expecting that that will lead to life as he has promised. When Jesus taught prayer, he did not say, pray these words, though it's good to pray these words. He said, pray this way. And I wonder if you're sitting there listening and thinking, why are we talking about the Psalms? Do you know that in 24 cities in the United States last night there were protests and riots. Yes, I do know that. 99 years ago today, one of the worst in history happened in my hometown. And at the risk of sounding um, more whole than I mean, a significant part of the reason that these problems exist and will continue to exist in all parts of our country, I believe, is because we may believe that others have an inherent nobility, that they're made in the image of God, but we do not act like it. Tulsa race riots happened in 1921, and I wasn't taught about them in elementary school, junior high, or high school. They began to be talked about in 1997, and that still disorients me. The mayor of Tulsa I went to elementary school with him. We're now, uh, follow, we now follow one another on, on Twitter, and I see some of the work they're doing. And it is complicated, and it will take time, and it will need civic leaders and local leaders and church leaders. For us, lament, praying psalms of disorientation, may seem anemic, but it is part of what the people of God have done for thousands of years. It is not all that they do. We also listen. The reason I changed our call to worship this morning to, uh, based upon Deacon Art, almost entirely Deacon Art's, Art Miller's words 
is because he is one I'm listening to. In addition to lament, we also listen. And then, for me personally, especially when it's someone like him, I do what he says, frankly. Well, as we learn to become writers and we learn to read, can't be a writer without learning something about reading, we must deal with poetry. And I don't know how much you like poetry. Um, I read a poem this week and actually wept a little bit, and that's never happened before. I've always longed to like poetry more, um, which may be overthinking it. Probably is. It's one of my spiritual gifts. Um, but the Bible displays, models, uh, forces us, if we're students of it, to reckon with poetry in many forms, prof- prophetic in part, uh, poetic prose in Genesis 1, but, but perhaps most specifically and certainly most at length is the Psalms. And some of us, I think, um, we, we mistakenly categorize kinds of language. I'm going to make kind of an, it's going to feel like an obscure point, but hang with me. We sort of think that scientific language is the most important kind of language. We're okay with ordinary language, and we dismiss poetic language. And that's a bad way of looking at it. All three are ways of getting at truth. And if we consider the Bible truth, poetry is the beginning. In the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. In the, in the earth, seven words. Verse 2 is 14 words. Verse 3 is 7. This is on purpose. It's poetic prose. C.S. Lewis uh, is where I learned these categories. That ordinary language is important. Take the parables of Jesus that explain things in a plain way. There are certain parables of Jesus that everybody understands. Scientific language is important. Romans talks about uh, atonement and sin. In Scientific is a stretch, but theological words that are almost scientific in the way that they explain to us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But where did Paul learn his science? From the Psalms. He's quoting the Psalms. So we must learn to deal with poetry to receive the truth of God that comes to us in ordinary language and in scientific, yea, theological language and in poetic language. Psalm 119 is an abecedarian poem. I learned that word on Friday, so if you don't know it, it's okay too. Um, I, I used to think of it as an acrostic, but an abecedarian is a more specific word. A, B, C. Every psalm that has 22 verses is an abecedarian psalm. It goes through the Hebrew alphabet, which is 22 letters. And they did that not only because it was poetic, but as a way of remembering the poem. I hope that you like poetry. I remember the first time I was struck by a poem. I was in seventh grade. I was reading The Outsiders, and I got to page 67. I don't know if you've read The Outsiders. It'd be interesting if you hadn't. Many of us in America were forced to read that. Um, But I remember when Ponyboy recites this poem, and I stopped on page 67, and I kept reading it until I memorized it. Uh, Go ahead, Eric. Too bad it can't stay like that all the time. Nothing gold can stay. Huh? Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold, her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour, then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down today, nothing gold can stay.
Is C. Thomas Howell overacting? Maybe. Is it a beautiful poem? And in the book, is it, it, it struck me. Uh, by the way, S.E. Hinton from Tulsa, a lot of, lot of good folks from Tulsa, started writing The Outsiders, I'm from Tulsa, started writing The Outsiders when she was 15, finished writing it when she was 16, published when it was 18. You don't think you're a writer because you don't know enough? You don't think you should start psalm writing because you don't like to write? There is the image of God in you. And learning to first read and then begin to write and pray these things is worshipful and ultimately will benefit your neighbor because you'll learn to speak well to God about God and it will grow you up. Becoming a writer involves reading It involves praying. Have you ever read an amazing book or seen an amazing film and wanted to know what inspired it? And and the book was so good that whoever the author said inspired them, you go back and read that book. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe not. Maybe you see uh, a movie and you find out who the director or the screenwriter is and you go back and you watch everything that they've done. Many of us, I think we long to learn from Jesus. We long to arise from our times of prayer like he did, full of confidence in his mission, full of intimacy with the Father and the peace. Well, how did Jesus learn to pray? His chief teacher was the Psalms. I hope that you're inspired by his teachings, and then you want to go back to, what, to, to one of his chief teachers. And, you know, the theology on that is complicated. How come he needed teachers? Well, because he was both God and man. And what I think is one of the many lovely things about the Psalms as you interact with them, perhaps you've noticed this uh, when I do the calls to worship, a lot of them are individual and a lot of them are communal. And the people of God for thousands of years have utilized the Psalms both alone and in their congregation. And I say that and you're like, that's not remarkable. It's so remarkable. What does it do to our hearts to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And know that However imperfectly we believe that, we're saying that next to a friend, and they're saying it also. How much more profound does that speak to our soul and encourage us as a group and encourage us individually? Psalm 88 ends with this phrase, darkness is my closest friend. What a profound act of faith to say that to God and be willing to say it sometimes amongst friends. What a pushback on that very darkness. Turn to me and be gracious to me, it says in verse 132. As is your way with those who love your name, the unfolding of your words gives light. You are my hiding place and my shield. How sweet are your words. We learn from the Psalms to pray the Psalms and to be prayed by them, then eventually to learn to write them ourselves. This is a move of returning. We believe God exists. We believe in the work of Jesus. We trust that. We're following him into lives of life, and we get distracted. We believe, and we trust, and we follow, and we get angry. We believe, and we trust, and we follow, and we're afraid. We believe, and we trust, and we follow, and we get anxious. The most basic application I can give you is Put it in your calendar this week to utilize the Psalms. 
my preferred way. I know I've said it a bunch of times. I'm going to say it again. There's an app for this. Of course, of course, there's an app for it. It's to pray the day of the month that it is and then add 30. And you can wait on Psalm 119 until the 31st day so that you don't end up taking 40 minutes. It usually takes about 15, 20 minutes to do that. And if you get stuck on one psalm in a good way, where you simply want to pray about the Lord's steadfast love, his refuge, his rock, stay there. The psalms thwart us in thinking that only ordinary or scientific language matter because it is theologically accurate to say God is a rock because he describes himself that way or that his wings protect us as he described himself in Exodus 19. Praying the Psalms, being prayed by the Psalms, and becoming a Psalm writer is a way of returning to the Lord. For his glory and the good of neighbor and for our own selves. How you doing? Not with the sermon. Had any anger this week that you were like, wow, that was twice what it probably should have been? Any fear in your life that, that, that seems bigger, feels bigger? For me, it's more anxiety. Um, not very comfortable being angry, and I don't get angry very often. It's, uh, fear is not something I connect to unless I'm in a high place near one of my kids, right? And I was describing my uh, anxiety to my wife, and I said, so one is I'm fine. Two is I constantly feel like I'm forgetting something. And I'm adding to these categories weekly because in pandemic time, it's important for me to pay attention to them. So one is I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm doing well. Two is, I constantly feel like I'm forgetting something. Three is, uh, I can feel it in my chest. And four is, I need to throw up or cry. And I can't ever do either one, so it doesn't work. And what I do when I realize, even if I'm at a two or a three, especially if I'm at a four, I go and I work out a little bit. Not because that is prayer, but because it helps me um, actually focus. Then I go write a lament. I have this giant whiteboard in my basement, and I write one because I've learned from the Psalms how to do that. Then I'm able to pray for my family, for the staff and the elders of the church and others. And I don't know if that way is best. I know it's good for me. I know that I come back upstairs, and I'm not at whatever number I was before if it was a high number. Maybe I just go from three to two. Usually, it gets back to one. And it's all those things, exercise is good for mental health, but I'm not your exercise trainer. You really don't want me to do that. I do know that learning to read the Psalms and then be prayed by them and then learn to write our own is essential to the with God life. When I was originally planning this sermon series, um, I was going to call it Summer Well because the Psalms reflect the seasons of life. Spring and new life is a psalm of, is, is reorientation. Uh, summer, when things are out, though we wish maybe less bugs were out, is a time of orientation. The sun is out and we are confident in God's promises. And these are metaphors that sometimes work and sometimes not. The fall and the winter, as things begin to go uh, dormant and then are, in fact, dormant, rec- reflect our disorientation. And the psalms reflect that because that's real life as we actually experience it. Days and seasons and long seasons of orientation. We didn't realize most of the time that they were good until later. And then long seasons of disorientation. And what the Lord does internally and sometimes circumstantially is give us 
new life. I hope that you are able to take some time this week to pray the Psalms and to write them and to learn to be prayed by them. And that may seem not enough for the problems of our world. And yet, in God's providence, it is what we do. It is not all that we do, but it is what we do. Learn to cry out to him about life as we actually experience it and see it. Would you pray with me? Father, we long to sense our freedom to cry out to you and speak about life as it, as it actually comes at us and as we actually experience it, past, present, and future. Jesus, we long to trust fully in your words, in your promises, and in your commands. Holy Spirit, we ask for grace as we learn these movements of the with God life. Tend to us, heal us, and make us your agents of peace and love. Amen.